0: This program is brought to you by thepodcastfactory.com.
1: You are listening to Copy Chief Radio. Welcome back to another edition. Here is the Copy Chief himself, Mr. Kevin Rogers.
0: Sweet. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, man, really excited to bring Henry on today. Uh, Henry Bingaman is a house uh, copywriter. Uh, He's the the man in charge. Can I say that, Henry? Are you the man in charge or or would that cause trouble?
1: Uh, No, I mean, I'm not the man in charge, but I'm in charge of some things. (laughs) <laughs> Most, we have a copy chief, Jed, so I don't want right, to pretend, right. but yeah, I, uh, I do help run some copy teams and I'm one of the, I, I don't know, senior copywriters, I guess you could call it. Yeah.
0: You're the man in charge of the projects you take on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, great. So senior copywriter over there at Money Morning, which is a division of Agora Publishing. And so, you know, you're working in the big leagues and how long have you been with them?
1: Uh, I think we did a uh, first project as a freelancer uh, with them in 2011, which was uh, America, the ultimate pyramid scheme. (laughs) Um, And then 2012, I signed on uh, full time with Retainer. So, I mean, I'm a contractor, but I'm exclusively working with Money Morning. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And I know you've just been learning a ton. What were you freelancing before that? Just straight up?
1: Yeah. Well, I've been working with a guy named Jed Canty for the past five years, six years maybe. Um, And he's uh, one of the best copywriters in the industry right now, which in the financial publishing industry anyway. So I was with him at Newsmax for a little while before that. And before that, I was a freelancer.
0: Excellent. Great. So, uh, and you know, you, you post stuff all the time in copy chief that just, you know, gets a lot of attention and you're just a great teacher. So <laughs> okay. I want to, I want to say I pre- how much I appreciate that. You had a great thread called three things you should be testing, but probably aren't, which yeah. was a, a huge, um, you know, real value for, for everyone. So today we're going to talk about, um, the process of, you know, if you're a copywriter or, you know, any, any business owner and you, Always wondered, how do these amazing sales letters, these these copy packages get created by the big publishers? You know, the famous ones we hear all about, uh, you know, obviously the, the most famous one in recent years is the End of America. Do you know the numbers on that, Henry?
1: Well, over over $100 million in revenue, which uh, if you bring up End of America to Jed, I hate to keep bringing Jed into this, but he'll yeah. get a little little irritated with you. Yeah. Because he actually at Newsmax had the Aftershock promo. Which did I think bigger numbers than end of America, ah, um, but nobody remembers it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, why is that I
1: don't know I think it honestly because we did video, so we were the, one ah. of the first teams doing actual video, so people thought it was a sit down interview, and they didn't realize it just did hundred and fifty million in sales or something like that right. it, was, it was crazy,
0: amazing, yeah, and it just you know so much to learn from that from that piece, and all, all the kind of work you guys do it's such a process, it's so different from working. As you know, with an entrepreneur, or uh, you know, I, I don't want to—I guess—smaller scale is a fair thing to say. It's—it's um, it's just a bigger operation. There are a lot more eyeballs on the copy. It's a lot more collaborative. There's well, if lot- you look
1: at—I uh, mean—the financial market is one of the hardest to write for, along with health, because there's, I think, 150 million Americans that own stocks. So you're—you're you're selling to this broad, broad audience, and you have to get the psychology right in a letter that's going out to that that kind of audience. So if you're selling to Labrador Retriever owners, which is, you know, that's a pretty big audience, but you, you know that mindset pretty well. If you're trying to navigate the quagmire of just the average investor's brain, there's, there's so many landmines you have to avoid hmm. uh, that otherwise they'll just, you know, you step on one of those, they're gone.
0: Yeah, 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 great point. And so you guys are deep in the research every day. Where, where does your best intel come from when you are, uh, you know, thinking through a package and what to avoid, which of those landmines to avoid?
1: Uh, it's all intuition really. Mm. So it's, it's one of the hardest things to teach is intuition, but it actually can be taught, which is what kind of we're learning and trying to do. Uh, actually, have you ever heard of chick sexing? No, say it again. Chick sexing.
0: Chick sexing. (laughs) I I have not. Uh,
1: All right. It's not as bad as it sounds. So, uh, the big hatcheries, so I'm talking about chickens, chicks. Okay. Uh, The big hatcheries, they have like a hundred thousand eggs hatched a week. Mm. Uh, and they have to sort those between male and female. And there's only really one way to tell the difference between a male trick and a female trick, because they look exactly the same. You have to flip it over, squeeze the poop out, open the butt vent, which is, I'm sorry to say that, I don't know a better, cleaner way to say that, and then there's a little bump on the males and nothing on the females. So you put the males in one box and the females in the other. But there's a group of people in Japan that – All they have to do is pick up the chick, look at its butt, and they know instantly. So if you're trying to get through 100,000 chicks, it's much more efficient to have that just pick it up, look at the butt, know what it is. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's like (laughs) There's so many questions Uh, now. So I I got this out of a book called uh, Incognito. I think David Eagleman's the guy's name. But the, the group of people in Japan, they wanted to pass that skill on, right? So they started a school to teach chick sexing. And basically all they do is they stand over the student's shoulder. The student picks up, looks at the butt, and guesses, male or female, and just throws it in one bucket or the other. And the teacher just goes, yep, no, yes, no. Like thousands and thousands of times for weeks and weeks. And eventually, slowly, they just start to get it right. Like they start to know what, which is which just by looking at its butt. So thousands and thousands of times just with yes or no. And you can teach intuition, which is – so, I mean, it's kind of funny that just by looking at thousands of yeah. chicks' asses, you get to be an expert. And but. so,
0: it, it, this, uh, just to dive deeper into this for a second, do they is, are they faster at it because they don't have to squeeze the poop out or that part still has to happen?
1: No, they don't. They don't have to do anything. They yeah. just pick they it, just it pick up, it and, up and look, look. look. and get it. And they Correct. really can't explain why. Like, they don't mm. know what they're doing. Mm. They just know. They pick it up, look at it. It's either a boy or a girl and they just know. From just doing it thousands and thousands of times, you can learn that skill. (laughs) Which is, it's how I learned to write copy. It's how I try to teach people to write copy, right? You just read something they have you, or they send you, and you say, yes, you got that right, or no, you didn't. And you have to do it hundreds of times to get it right. But it's just that repetition. To develop instincts, yeah. But you can, yeah, it's intuition. You can develop the intuition under the right instruction. And, I mean, most people get that instruction from the market, right? They write something, put it out and they either buy or don't buy. That's a yes or no. Right. But you can accelerate that with a a good copy team and teachers.
0: Yeah, great point. And that's kind of the idea, not to go down a rabbit hole here, but with, we we keep hearing more and more about these, you know, uh, uh, computer programs who are writing copy. And the idea is that they can just test so fast or, you know, and they can, they can read the information and sort of like, you know, stare at chick butts. <laughs> and, and, and it's such a rapid pace that that's why some people will say, well, humans could never keep up with the, with the, with the pace of that testing, right? Yeah, um, how,
1: how does a, a machine test emotion? Exactly. I, I don't think they're there yet. Like, that's,
0: the, that's the thing, right.
1: You have to be in tune with the emotion. And, and that's really the instinct. It's, it's, you know, I say mental quagmires of people's brain. Like the landmine is just, did you hit the wrong emotion? Yeah. Or did you not hit the right emotion?
0: So is that one of the intuitions you, you, a great copywriter, would pride themselves on is, no, I just know emotionally this this isn't going to connect?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be able to look at something, read it, and go, yeah, I got that. Or no, that's not. Or, or you know, with a high likelihood or a better chance of succeeding. You're never going to know every time. But, um, yeah, getting the emotion right is is one of the hardest things to teach. And it's just, I think, repetition. So, hmm. I mean, that's why I, I kind of broke it's So, when I was learning, one of my first uh, mentors, I guess you recall, him, I was working at institute or uh, writing for the Institute of National Health. So, Mark Ford. Yeah. And, and he would just, I'd send something in and I'd get these, like, giant caps locked comments under pieces of copy that were basically yes or no. Like, this isn't right or this is right. And then, he, you know, I, he'd show me a different way to do it. And, and then you just do it dozens of times until you, you're, it's good enough to go out. And, you know, the same way when I was learning with Jed, it's just that's right, that's not right.
0: Hmm. And so how much would they explain why and and not?
1: Oh, you always try to explain why. Mm -hmm. But like, how do you explain how to evoke an emotion? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're, I don't know, you watch any of like the singing competitions? Sure. Uh, I was watching The Voice last night. Don't tell anybody on this (laughs) public podcast. But, you know, they're they're giving their, like the the experts or the pop musicians, whatever they are, giving the, the people, the contestants advice about uh, that's not the right emotion. You have to really make the person feel it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're like, okay, how, how do you translate that? But I mean, these they do it because they go out, and that's you know, the Beatles sang 10 million gigs before they were famous, or yeah. whatever that example is. You just go out there and do it until you can feel what that emotion feels like. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. You, well, I know from comedy, right? It's like, oh yeah, it's perfect. Example. You, you get on stage and. Uh, I always say that you know when comics would come off stage, even if they were in the room watching you, they would still say that when they're about to go up to the comic who just came off stage, how are they, right? Yeah. And what they mean is, how did it feel up there? Is it weird? Is there a weird energy in one part of the room? Is there a couple making out in the front row that I didn't see, completely ignoring the show? Like, what, what's the energy? What's the emotion, right? Yeah. So um, I totally get it, wow. Well, this is so far the the most intriguing uh, conversation I've ever had. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We've covered chick butts, how to develop intuition, and, you know, the the mysterious uh, ability of capturing and identifying the the right emotion and copy. And now let's get to the topic we plan to cover. Uh I can tell you already um that this is going to be a two-parter because uh, Henry's generous enough to share with us his um what he teaches sort of the new copywriters that work under him at uh, Money Morning and there's he has 7 uh, story types. As you know, stories critically important element to any good piece of sales copy. Yeah, story is emotion, essentially. Um, so, Henry, thank you for sharing these. We'll probably get through three or four of them in this half, and then we'll come back and cover the others in the second half.
1: Okay, that's good. So, I mean, do you want to just go down sure. the list? or Yeah, I mean, let's
0: just start with number one. If Or if you want to frame I, up a little bit how you you know, is there any hard and fast rule for where to interject copy or is that in part of intuition as well or, or where to interject uh, story and copy?
1: Well, I mean, I, I consider all like if, if I write a, a full promotion, the whole thing's a story to me, like right down until I ask him for the sale. That's all a story. It, it's just not it's not like a fiction story, but it is it's a story that has individual pieces. So you can kind of get, um, I don't know, granular on these stories and break them into a million pieces. Like you go line by line. But basically I've kind of discovered or decided or analyzed that there's basically seven stories that all of our promos have to have before they'll work. So the first one, uh, if we're just going to get into it is the paradigm shift story. So that's just the, basically the world was this way. The reader's world was this way. And then you're going to tell them something that shows them the world is not what they thought it was. So I sent you, uh, one of the promotions I just ran, uh, it's still out in the networks, actually. Uh, it's a, called Neural Imprinting Headline. The uh, neural inter- it basically, it's a virtual reality promo. So neural imprinting is the medical application of virtual reality to pain. So I started this story, or this promotion, telling a story of First Lieutenant Scott Jackson. Uh, he got rolled over an IED in Afghanistan, got third-degree burns over most of his body. You know, he had... It was so bad when he was, even when he was asleep, he dreamt of being on fire, but there's this new device that's non-invasive, drug-free, no dangerous side effects. Um, and even though morphine wasn't working for him, as soon as they put this thing on, his pain just evaporated. So that's, that's an amazing story for the paradigm shift, right? People think, okay, there's pain. This soldier's in terrible pain. The only way to treat pain in the old model of the world is drugs or surgeries or nerve blocks. Nope, this guy puts on just a headset and all of a sudden his pain's gone. Hmm. So that's a paradigm shift story, right? Yeah, yeah. You're seeing the world very differently after the stories, you know, by the, the, the peak of that story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can see that in, in every promo. It's ba- But it could be something as simple as like, you know, you think your dog's always going to poop in the house. Well, guess what? It's not because there's this new whiz-bang thing, right? A paradigm shift story is the world just has to change in a way that the reader is interested in, right? And yeah, their, okay. their view of the world just has to change.
0: Now is that, are these in any kind of order where they might logically appear in the copy, or is it?
1: I usually lead with a paradigm shift. Yeah. Uh, you can see a lot of people that lead with the second one, which is the the guru or the backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, I, I, the paradigm shift is the crux of your argument. Like it frames the whole thing. Okay. I think more than the so. <laughs> if you're Porter Stansberry, you tend to frame everything with how amazing you are. (laughs) He talks for, you know, a few minutes at the beginning of every promo about all the things he's correctly predicted. Yeah. So he's just setting up, you know, you could say that's a paradigm shift, but you know, there wasn't a person that knew everything and now there is, but really like if you look at his end of America, for example, he talks about himself for a while and then says, by the way, there's going to be rioting and loots or, you know, looting, rioting and martial law. Mm -hmm. So, that that in there is the paradigm shift. He just starts with the group backstory, and I mean, none of there's no hard and fast rule where anything goes in a story, but all of these pieces are going to be in there.
0: Yeah, if it's um, gonna work. Okay, great. So number one, the paradigm shift, where we take, uh, we we change the worldview of the reader in, to some degree in their favor.
1: Well, not necessarily. Uh, we have a, a Jim Rickards promo we ran last year where basically the dollar was going to collapse. So they went from a world that was stable to a world that's unstable.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That's an equally powerful paradigm shift. The solution then you're selling is how to protect yourself from that.
0: Right. So, so, we, in, can go, so we can go big big promise of sort of nirvana or big fear of destruction.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's okay. just a big change.
0: Gotcha. Great. Um,
1: that affects the reader positively or negatively.
0: All right. Perfect.
1: So the guru backstory, a lot of people, I think, overdo this one. Um the uh, there was a study i forget the book i read it in but people people's first impression or impression of you is the average of the things you tell them not the number of things you tell them hmm. so a lot of people like especially uh, stock pick gurus it's it just i'm in the financial industry there's a lot of ghost guys you know it's better to tell them that you got a 500% gain once on on tesla then tell them you got a 500% gain on Tesla and a 100% gain on this one and a 5% gain on this one, right? You're just bringing your credibility down the more you tell. Hmm. So tell the backstory of that guru as long as it's relevant to the overall theme or, you know, your story working. Um, and as long as it's powerful. If you if you only have one powerful thing, that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? With the Jim Rickards, we have Jim Rickards, former analyst for the CIA, NSA, and Homeland Security, predicts financial downfall, right? That's pretty much all the backstory you need. Right. Because there's so much credibility established there. Now, actually, we went more into that because he predicted or he wrote a program that predicted some terrorist attacks and all that. But one powerful thing is all you need for a backstory. But the more you can draw it out with the powerful things, powerful I don't know, items, uh, proof points The the better it'll be.
0: Okay, great. So they could always almost be like mini stories within the guru backstory, backing up their gurudom.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Michael Robinson is one of our, he's our tech investing expert. Um, he's 35 years, he's been a venture capitalist, a board member of a venture capital firm. He's been an advisor to 12 high tech startups. And depending on the promotion that we're doing, I'll go all the way back to the 80s when he was working with, you know, the heads of Chrysler and GM and uh, he he was at the initial meeting for when cloud computing was mapped out. But like, if you're doing a, a brand new technology promo, do you really want to tell people he was back in the 80s working on cars? (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. So you, I, I think you should be able to write the whole story. And if I have a new copywriter, I'll make him write everything out there, like everything he can find that he thinks is powerful. And then we'll just cut down to put it in the promo. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I think you should write everything. Yeah. because It's always, you know, you need to get it all down on paper because you need to know what you're talking about. Sure. Like right. you need to have even if it's like that iceberg. You you need to know what's under the surface, even if you don't say it, because it'll come through in the writing and you'll know what to pull up when you need to. Yeah. Great point.
0: There's a, there's a fun book. I don't know if you've read it from William Zinser. You probably know his on writing well book, but he has another book called writing to learn. Okay. Which is similar to what you're saying here. It's like it's the idea of, you know, using the art of writing just to, to learn subjects better, you know, and, uh, I think that's, that's an important note on that you have younger copywriters, really any copywriter needs to write it out, write the full thing out, because there's no better way to learn it than to have to sit and describe it and explain it in a clear way uh, as you're writing.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and if you're, I think, a, a business owner, it's even more important, right? Like you have a lot of entrepreneurs in the yes. copy chief area. Mm-hmm. So you should definitely, they should all be writing out as much of their story as they can. Yes. That's, and, you know, knowing what parts of it to tell.
0: 100%. Yeah, we have a thing called the question authority worksheet, which is just that. And I tell people, I say go away from all distraction, all electronics and just indulge in this process of writing out answering each question as, as much as you can think about it. And it's people come back and and you know, it's like they've been to therapy.
1: <laughs> oh, it, it is. It's I mean, writing is meditative, I think. Oh, like yeah. if you reflect, you you kind of get things out. You make connections you didn't think because it's all in front of you. Like the more you write, the better the better insights you'll get.
0: Absolutely. Okay, great. So we're nearing the uh, end of part one. Let's let's get in one more.
1: All right. Well, uh, this, I mean, the shocking discovery is uh, that's the third one I have listed here. Uh, again, sometimes it's later, further on, but like this one's real quick because it's just how was this thing discovered? How did this thing come to be? Mm-hmm. And I put shocking in there because otherwise people will write a boring story, mm. right? Yeah. All of these stories have to be engaging and interesting. So, right. you know, if I ask you, I don't know how the carburetor was just, dis- you know, you have a new carburetor. Well, how was that? I write a shocking discovery story for that. Just cra- how many details can you find? How can you crank up the emotion mm. on that? That's why, you know, otherwise it's just, well, I was in my garage playing around with some things and I come out with this carburetor, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> it's got to work. And I mean, it smelled a lot like gas yeah. and everything. But.
1: So, I mean, I did a promo for a, based on a medical yeah, a company that developed a cancer vaccine. And like, it was just, well, they had this thing and it worked as a vaccine. So I just went into a lot of detail about how vaccines work with the mm. immune system swarming in and trying to find ways to defeat this and then going off and replicating millions of times. To- like, yeah, it's just how a vaccine works, but right, right. If you get into all the detail and just pump it up, you know, make it interesting, make it engaging. Mm. Uh, that'll crank it up, you know?
0: Got it. So, so shocking doesn't necessarily mean jaw dropping, like can't believe it. It's more the the cumulative effect of all the interesting details.
1: I think so. I don't, I mean, it doesn't have to shock. Shocking might not be the best you know, this isn't a hundred percent perfect list.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, but
1: but yeah, it has to be. It's a discovery story, but the, yeah, the, it's an emotional discovery story. Maybe that's a better way to say it.
0: Yeah, cool, perfect. All right, great, Henry. This is great stuff. Um, we'll end part one right here, and we're going to come back for the next episode uh, with the final four story elements uh, that go into winning copy pieces, sales letters, VSLs, all the important stuff, emails, everything. And Henry, you mentioned that, you know, this is uh, when you sort of instruct the writers to write all these stories, you know, that they're going to come up in all elements of the promotion. So that's an important note, everybody, that, you know, when you're writing these kinds of stories and like Henry said, thinking them through in, in amazing detail you'll you'll just have a wealth of material to use throughout the promotion and it'll make everything nice and congruent. So hugely valuable here, Henry appreciate you doing this and we'll see you back for part two.
1: All right. Sounds good. You've been listening to copy chief radio. Thank you for tuning in. If you're digging what we are laying down for you, then your next step is to go over to iTunes Type in "Copy Chief Radio" into the search bar, and when you find a show, subscribe. We will be back in your earbuds next week. This is the PodcastFactory.com.